Man, I've been looking forward to coming. I want to say a personal thank you to the church family. Uh, the last three months have been uh, rocky, uh, been a little bit different than what I anticipated. Uh, long about May, I guess, we decided I had a heart issue. And I just didn't have a little heart issue. I had a big heart issue. But it went from little to big in just a matter of a week or so. So it was just unreal. And... Uh, Man, I just want to thank you for bearing with me and uh, allowing me to have some time off, allowing me to uh, do the things I needed to do. You'll be happy to know I did 11 sessions of rehab, and I told my wife they kicked me out. I was supposed to get 36, but 11 did it, so I am done with rehab. So uh, I'm a new guy. I've got vim and vigor, and uh, I just don't know what to do with it yet because I thought, man, I was getting old and I was just going to go downhill. But apparently I'm getting better all the time. So that's awesome. So I want to give the Lord thanks for all that. And we prayed right down here that God would do something in me. And he has. And it's been amazing to watch him work. But it's been a little hard to have the patience to let him do the things that he needed to do in my life. But he's changed my heart, believe it or not. I think I'm a better youth pastor now. I think I'm a better minister than uh, when I started all this journey because I understand a little bit more about what I'm talking about of trusting him and allowing him to do the work and being patient and waiting on God instead of me doing it all the time. It's him that does it. And he's changed my heart. So it's been great. But that's my message. Dwayne goes, why don't you just preach on the heart? So I came up with this great title, not as fancy as Brother Dwayne's titles, but Heart Matters. And uh, it really does. A heart matters big time. You know, the heart without a beating heart in your body, you couldn't live. Without your heart in your spiritual sense, you really aren't living. You might think you're living, but you really aren't living, okay? Okay. What you are, when we say you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, that comes into your soul. That's a center of who you are. So when you die, this body stays here, but your soul goes on and continues up in the air, okay? So can I get a witness, man? That is awesome. That is what we're talking about here, of getting that soul right with God, getting that heart right with God, and there's many ways that this world doesn't want you to have that. Doesn't want you to have the heart and soul, that peace that it brings, okay? Uh, it'll throw different things up at you. The devil's working overtime now to kind of get us to be fearful. Get us off track, if you will, okay? So, uh, man, I got Ezekiel 36, 26. 36, 26, and going down to 27. So if you'll turn with me to Ezekiel, he's a prophet I've been reading. Been reading the Bible through again this year. And Ezekiel really spoke to me. Three times in Ezekiel, he talks about this heart matter. And it really got my attention. And, you know, when something's repeated three times, it usually means, hey, get right, all right? Do this, okay? And God's mentioned a lot of things. The major theme in uh, Ezekiel is the restoration of Israel's heart for the glory of God. For his name is the reason he did this. For his name, he got us right in our heart, okay? 
It's all about him. And uh, if you found it, Ezekiel 36, we're going to start at verse 26. It says, I'm reading from American Standard. It says, moreover, I give you a new heart. Put on a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a, a heart of flesh. I will put in my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave you to your forefathers, so you will be my people and I will be your God. Man, that's pretty awesome. You might be saying, where's the others? Well, if you want to check it out later, uh, Ezekiel 11, 19, and Ezekiel 18, 31 is where it talks about it again. But I want to concentrate here on this verse. He says, moreover, I give you a new heart. Okay? We got to realize who's in charge. God's people have forgot who's in charge. I'm amazed when I read my Bible how many times these people were in exile crying out to God, hey, deliver us from this slavery. God does exactly what he's supposed to do, delivers them, hardens the Pharaoh's heart, and you get to see how big this I am is. He's a huge God that can take care of anything that comes his way. And the people forget. They get right up to the promised land. They spy it out. They know it's flowing with milk and honey. They know it's the place they want to be. But there's one problem. Their thinking. Their heart. Their heart isn't where God wants it to be. They see the problem. They don't see how big God is. What kept them out of the promised land wasn't that God couldn't deliver the promised land to them. It was their thinking. They thought they were ants among giants. They thought there's no way God can do the good things that he's talked about. But God can, and he will, if you believe it. Heaven's just around the corner, guys. We need to get our hearts right. We need to make sure our heart is in the side that matters okay we need to make sure we're focused on him make sure that we are one of his children i keep uh, singing this song in big a club we got uh abraham father abraham how many kids and i said how many of y'all are one of father abraham's kids they're finally understanding if you invited jesus christ in your heart you are a child of god you do have a promise and that's good and this week we studied about David and how David's line's going to last. And God was so moved by David's heart, they said, David, one of your family will always sit on the throne. And I said, does that mean for today? I said, where does God reign today? And one of the little kids said, in my heart. He should. He should reign in our hearts. He's still on the throne. But we need to make sure our heart is right. We need to make sure that we got it right. One of the big things in uh, my thing is Matt Winkleman told me, man, I had a problem. And we took blood pressure medicine. We took all kinds of things. We did exercises. But until I got on the stress test and failed my stress test, we didn't know how big a problem Brent had. Okay? 
And the lady that gave me my stress test was shocked, but she didn't let on like it. But Matt called me just as soon as I got done and goes, son, you have got a problem. I said, oh, good. So, uh, you know, though I went over to Carbondale. They did the calf thing. What really freaked me out is Dwayne Skips telling me, oh, that calf thing's nothing, man. They'll stick it up your arm. They'll go in there. They'll fix it, and you'll be out, and you'll be ready to roll. See, I had a great family vacation I was supposed to go on, Sedona, Arizona. I had the Airbnb. I had the plane tickets. I had everything bought. Looking forward to it. All the kids were, all right, Dad's going, man. We're going to go have a great time. We're going to do some hiking, that type of thing. But, man, Tracy just got done with tax season. She's beating me up. She's walking my two miles, and she's not even having to take a break. Here I am. I'm taking three or four breaks, breathing hard, can't do nothing. My arms are going numb. I'm going, babe, there is something wrong. And three days to go, I go in to see Matt again. I said, Matt, we've got a problem. So he gives me that stress test, and then they take me over for that calf, and they get in there, and they said, Brent, you got some major blockages in your heart. I'm going, oh, no, that's not good. And they didn't fix anything, guys. That's the bad thing. They said, you qualify for open heart, but we don't have a surgeon around here, so good luck. Yeah, so uh, we went up to St. Louis, and we got us a great surgeon, uh, James Scharf. So we got him, and uh, when you're choosing a surgeon, I took Danny's advice. You want one that's done it several times, okay? You don't want a newbie off the block, okay? You want somebody that's done it several times, has been there. So when this scripture says, I will give you, you know who the I is. God, God himself, God will perform the surgery. And you don't know what that means, but until you've been in that place, you know what that means is that, hey, I can trust this dude. Hey, I know he knows what's going on. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm thinking I'm getting out of the scripture when it says, I will do this, okay? Because I want the best operating on me, and God made me, and he knows all about me, and he says he's going to take out this stony heart and give me a heart of flesh. So that's pretty awesome. So know who the I is and knows who you are. Okay? A lot of times I think we as Christians forget whose we are. We're God's. We're his. We were bought with a price. Amen? We are his people. And he's going to take care of us. Okay? And that's part of what he does as a God. He says, I won't cleanse you. So know that God can do all that he says he can do. And, uh, man, with children, it's always important to set that good example. The other thing I see in this verse, I will give you a new heart, a new spirit, but I will take out the stony heart. Do you see what a stony heart does? What is a stony heart? When I was studying this, it's a stubborn heart, a stiff-necked heart kind of like the children of Israel staring at the promised land saying, hey, God, I ain't going in. I vote we stay. This is great over here. And remember all the time when they're traveling, they go, oh, we had it so good in Egypt. Man, let's go back. How come they did that? Because they didn't want to follow God. They didn't want to do the things God called them to do. You know, when God calls you, he doesn't put this thing that you are capable. Every disciple he called wasn't a scholar. They were fishermen. They were average day Joes. 
But God is made big when he uses average people to do great and mighty things. You see how big he is. Because he does the work, not us. That's that other part I'm getting to. But a bad heart is cold. It's hard. It can't be penetrated. I always love it when I get a water bottle. You guys ran out of water bottles at the football game, you know that? But you take these water bottles and you squish them. You make a, quite an impact on them. You know, that's the way our heart needs to be. It needs to be moldable. And God didn't say that uh, we are sick or, man, we have a problem. We, we can't get our directions straight. God says we are dead. we got a stony heart. But that needs to be changed. And he can do it. We need to realize what's going on with our own heart. Just as I realized I had a problem through all these tests, through what I was feeling, God can do the same thing with us. God can take those stony hearts and change them around. But we have to be aware of what God's showing us in our life. A heart that's of his will be moldable. I found this cool quote well, it's not really a quote, it's a cool song. Trey was supposed to sing it for us today, but he didn't get that done. But uh, he's done a great job so far. But it says, change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me, this I pray. That comes from Edred Epson. I can't even pronounce it. Brian helped me earlier. But it was written in 1982. That's the year I graduated. And a lot of things happened that year. And, uh, man, he had a lot of things going on in his life. And he said, God, give me an appetite, not for the things of this world, but for the things that you want me to have. That's the reason he was led to write this song, Change My Heart, Oh God. Wow. That was pretty cool. I didn't know the story behind the song, but God did that on his way home in the car, and he wrote that thing down, just really split and got the melody. But guys, I've been a promise keeper when you've got uku of men in that place, and they say, change my heart, oh God. It sends goosebumps down my arms, man. It's just like, whoo, man, if we really mean that, that is awesome. You know what I mean? But that is a prayer that we need to pray. David was a man after God's own heart. Let me get to that. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, Hey, I want you to go to anoint a new king, and I want you to be one of Jesse's boys. And Jesse had all his boys brought in before Samuel. And Samuel's looking it over. He's getting before the banquet. He goes before the first one and goes, Well, he's not it. And he goes before the second one. He's not it. The third one, he's not it. God's whispering in his ear all the time that who's it? No, they're not it. They're not it. They're not it. And then Samuel gets down at the end and he goes, Jesse, have you got any more sons? Because none of these are the ones God's telling me to anoint king of Israel. Jesse goes, I got one small lad. He's out tending the sheep. And you know who that young lad was? David. 
He was out being a shepherd. You see, God got his heart out there in the shepherd field. He saw how big his God was because he took out a lion with a slingshot. He took out a bear with a slingshot. He worshipped God because in who he was, and he knew who he was in his heart. And God says, I want to make that man king because he knows me and he has a heart after me. Wow. He was the runt of the litter. All the other ones weren't the one God used. But God used the one after his own heart. Wow, that should speak to us all, shouldn't it? Here's the other thing that should speak to us. When David showed up at the battlefield that day, visiting his brothers, as his dad said, he was a good young man, he did what his dad told him. He goes up to the guys, Hey, dudes, good to have you, brothers. What's happening here? And then this giant appears. He goes, What you little scrawny Israelites doing around here? You know, he uses some bad words. I mean, it was trash talk. Okay, I love it. Trash talk. Trash talking a great big God. We do that every now and then, don't we? We shouldn't, but we do. But he was picking a fight with the children of Israel. The children of Israel couldn't see how big their God was, but this little boy knew how big his God was. He goes, I'm going to answer that call. I'm going to take it and beat you to a pulp. And he got his little slingshot out and took down Goliath. All because his heart pleased God. But guys, just because his heart was there doesn't mean he has any magic spell. You know, he had a problem too. He had Bathsheba. And you all know that story, how he fell with Bathsheba. But look at this verse. I'm turning into Psalms 51 here. Psalms 51, I think it starts at verse 8. I'm going to read it to you. Psalms 51, verse 8. Listen to David's heart. This is after Nathan the prophet comes and convicts him. After he has Uriah killed, after he tries to sweep all this stuff under the rug, he figures, hey, I fooled God. I tricked it. I got my heart right. I got the good looks. I have got everything going on. I'm king. I can do this. But God wanted his heart. Because his heart's what God was using. David repents and says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, a renewed steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach your transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you that's psalms 51 8 through 10 that whole psalms is about his repentance about doing wrong the only way we can repent about doing wrong is knowing we did wrong and then humbling ourselves before god to change our hearts to allow him to do it just like eddie did with that change my heart oh god God's a surgeon. He can perform the surgery. I want to give you this story. I don't know if it's really true or it really happened, but I want to give it to you like 
I believe it happened. It's a seminary professor, and this is one of the last courses he's teaching these students before they go out. And all these students have been learning all year long the parables of Jesus. They've been seeing the miracles of Jesus lived out in the Bible. They've been writing papers. They've been given all this stuff. And they know the parables of the Bible. And the professor, along about the last week of school before graduation, Tevin, this is where you get nervous, he goes, I'm going to give you a test, a final. You guys got to pass this. So all the kids study really hard. But that day, that week after, he has a big note up on the board. He says, your final exam has been moved across campus. You have two hours to complete your final exam. The students didn't know it, but the professor went out ahead of time and got actors, staged little scenes, the first one was a little girl that had her new bike that had a flat tire. She was very disgusted with her new bike because it didn't work. The second one was an older gentleman dressed in slobby clothes and looking hungry and needy. The next one was a, a guy, an older man on crutches, carrying books to try to get back into the library and stumbling and dropping these books. He had those three things staged. And he knew that these kids would have to go over to the other side of the campus. They'd have to go by. Every one of those kids is in a hurry. Two hours, I got to get there. They were getting there. You know what? They got there, took the test. Hey, the test is really easy. And then along about that second hour, that professor walks in. He goes, y'all did great on the test, but you failed it. Because I was watching you, and every one of you had the knowledge in your brain, but it didn't get out to the outside. You see, God wants the whole heart. He wants you to serve him with your actions. He said, I had three things staged out there, and not one of you stopped. They even studied the Good Samaritan. None of them got it. You know what I mean? How many times does God stage stuff for us and we fail the test? Because our heart is a heart of stone instead of moldable the way he wants it to be. Wow. You think those kids forgot that final exam? I doubt it. It still impacts me when I tell the story. And it also reminds me of another little story that Tracy shared with me. The prince's uh, clothes. How this guy came up and said, hey, I got this magic uh, wardrobe here. If you wear it, man, you'll see that everybody around you is a fool that can't see this. He's going, wow, I could tell all the people in my kingdom if they're foolish or not. And he gets these new clothes and has this guy weave them, gives them the best stuff to use and everything, uses the weaver. They make all this wardrobe. He changes wardrobe all the time. He says, hey, I tell you what, you make me some clothes, I'm going to wear them down on the parade downtown. The guy's getting real excited. He has two people go in and check it out. The guy that works for him 
He goes in and sees the weaver working. He goes, man, I can't see nothing. Do I go in and tell the king I can't see anything? No, I think I'm going to tell him that, man, it looks amazing. So he goes back and tells the king, man, it was great, man. It's super. You can't even believe how sparkly this thing is. Then he gets his general of his army go in there. Hey, go check out this wardrobe. Make sure it's what I think it is. And uh, the general goes in there and looks at it, and he's going, I ain't seeing nothing, but do I dare go back and tell the king that I can't see the fabric and the clothes that this guy's making? He goes, no, they'll think I'm foolish. So he goes back and tells them the same thing. Man, you can't believe this new wardrobe this guy's making. You'll look killer, man. This is awesome. And so the king's getting more excited by the day. He goes in there. And he can't see it, but he doesn't want to admit he can't see it. So he goes, hey, is this going to be ready for the parade? I, man, it looks great. And the tailor goes, yeah, it's going to be ready. I'm going to give you 20 bags and then 20 more bags to go just for making all this stuff for me. And it's awesome. And so the parade day comes. He puts his underwear on. And supposedly... Puts this thing on. The tailor goes, hey, is it fit too tight or is it just nice? And he goes, it's so white, you know. I mean, it's great. It looks awesome, too. I can only imagine. Everybody's thinking, man, they're a fool. But nobody brave enough to say it. But he ain't wearing nothing but his underwear. He goes down the parade route, just parading down, acting like he's wearing the finest wardrobe. And you know what? He's in his underwear. Everybody in the kingdom didn't want to tell him that because they were all afraid they would look foolish. But one brave young girl said, hey, he's in his underwear. And then the king noticed he really was in his underwear. And he went through with the parade. But he goes, I can't wait to get that guy. But he was no fool. He left with all the money. Okay? Why do I tell you that story? It's because sometimes this world, you'll not want to look foolish. God might have you do little things in this world that might make you fool, or feel foolish, but they're really not. They're really divine appointments that we need to follow through with. We need to have a soft heart so he can tell us what those are but the key in this verse is he gives us the spirit to accomplish what he's called us to do. It's not me and my ability. It's him and his ability. But you might seem foolish at the time. Are you willing to take the chance? Are you willing to be blessed beyond measure? That brings me to a biblical story. John, in the book of John, John 3, Nicodemus is wondering, hey, I'm a priest. I know the laws. I know 638 of these laws. I know I can keep some of these laws. That's going to make me good. Jesus says, no. Unless you be born again, you will have no part of my kingdom. Wow. Bold enough to tell him. 
a priest for Israel, bold enough to tell him he's going to hell if he doesn't get right. You have to be born again. He didn't understand what that meant. But Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man be born again, he will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Guys, this is a serious matter to get your heart right. Time's shaking down where things are happening. I don't know when it's all going to go down. I don't know when your last breath's going to be. But we need to make sure that we know Jesus and we have that soft heart and we have that spirit that's willing to live for him and do the things he's called us to do. Amen. The other part of this thing is in John 14. Listen to this. I love it the way he starts this out. I use this at funeral services, but it's good here. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you will be also. And you know the way where I am going. Here it is, Thomas. He's been following him his whole three years. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Guys, you got to know who the guy is talking. He's come to have a relationship with all of us. But the big deal is we all have a heart problem. We are born with a stony heart. He's willing to perform the surgery, but you have to give him permission to do that. You have to say, Lord, take my stony heart out and give me a flesh heart. And give me your spirit so I can live this thing out. Because that spirit's what does the work. It's not us. It says in Ephesians, lest anybody should boast. The only person I can boast in is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that got me through. My real heart deal and my spiritual heart deal. And you guys know the hardest part about heart surgery was recovery. Because my body was telling me, hey, I really don't want to do this walking thing. I really don't want to get up. I really don't want to exercise. You all been there. God tells us what to do all the time, but we really don't want to hear it. But he does. Thank God I listen. My wife was persistent. I have to give her a lot of the credit because she made me get out and do the things I didn't want to do. Even though I was trying to be a good guy, she did it. She got me up and going. You know, the humbling thing was, when I was going through this, a lot of people came by and said, I was praying for you, did some good things for me. You know, one of the things I couldn't hardly stand is when I couldn't mow my grass. You think that'd be no big deal. It was a big deal. I had the Pritchett's come by, and I had uh, T.A. Sullivan come by. And then I had a storm happen, and a big tree came down, 
And I love to run my chainsaw. Todd knows I run, run chainsaws real well. I always bring them back to him, and they're all broke. But I run them, okay? But I couldn't do any of that. But people had to come to my aid. And you know one of the first things I did when I got better, when the doctor cleared me to ride on my lawnmower? I said, Tracy, I know a person in my neighborhood that needs their yard mowed. They got like three acres, and I'm going to go mow it. Because, man, God's just showed me how much of a blessing that is. And I went and did that. You know what I mean? And I'm still doing it. Because God changed my heart. God changed the way I thought about that. That was a big deal. And you know, the other thing is, I'm getting ready to be a grandpa. Y'all know that? Man, I had a new heart, and man, God, thank you for that. But man, grandpa, I can't believe I can even say those words. You know what I mean? It's just unreal. When Kenzie comes home, she's home last weekend. I can't believe she's pregnant. You know what I mean? It's just weird. But we've been getting this house ready. But me and Tracy go, well, we're going to be good grandparents. We're going to go buy them a crib. And I'm going, man, we got to get it on sale, babe. We go to the heart doctor, and we go to St. Louis, and we're checking it all out. Kinsey tells us, bye-bye babies going out of business. You heard me. Bye-bye babies going out of business. And I go, what's the chance, babe? They'll have a crib, and they'll have all this stuff we need. So we get down to my heart project. First, we go eat, because I told the guy I'm hungry. And then we go to bye-bye baby. We picked only one store out of two that was having the sale. 90% off. I mean, this is the Wayne deal. You know what I mean? You just walk in and it's just right there. And uh, I'm in there. 90% off. I'm going, you're kidding me. And she was showing all this stuff. And the worst thing was, it was a lady. She was in charge of the whole store. And she was the one loading my truck up with all the stuff I bought. And I kept telling her, I just had heart surgery. Just seen my heart doctor, and he says, I cannot lift. And my wife's here making sure I do not lift. And I feel like a heel having you load all this stuff in my truck. And then when I get home, guys, I even feel worse because Tracy won't let me help her unload the pickup truck, okay, and put it all in the garage. But I did feel good getting a bargain, you know what I mean? But, man, you just don't realize the extent God's gone to, to give you a new heart. He loves you so much. And so many times we just brush it off like it's nothing. But he gave you a new heart and a new life. And you'll find an abundant life if you'll just give in and let God do what he wants to do in your life. What I'm saying is we got a good church. But because we got a good church, we need a lot of people to be active and involved. The reason the fun food trailer is fun and it's a ministry is because we got great people like you guys working in cotton candy. And they're going to give out a thousand bags at the parade. I can't believe it, but we need people to put that stuff in. Guys, we're doing the crosswalk in the parade. We're going to carry the cross. I know some of you are on the football team, but that we're going to carry the cross. The reason we're going to do that is because our Savior lives. Our Savior is great. We need to tell the world about this guy. That he wants to do something special in their life if they'll just let him. Man, dump into there all you can. Let's read that verse one more time. Ezekiel. And I want you to be moved as much as I was moved. 
I'm going to read it again. Ezekiel 36, starting at verse 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put in my spirit within you to cause you to walk in my statues. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your forefathers. So you will be my people and I will be your God. Wow. Realize what the word says. I grew up in the age where you always listened to the news. You always knew that the news was right. Guys, the news ain't always right. This Bible's all you need. Every VBS, I have the kids say the pledge about the Bible. And I say, it's the roadmap for your life. This is a love letter written to you that you may live a good life. He's planned it all out for you. All you have to do is read it and follow it. How many times can I find something better to do? How many times can I be too busy to do it? Tracy gave me this thing this week. It drives me nuts. Cell phone, y'all have one. This kid was in school. This teacher asked the kids, what would you want to be? This one kid stood up and said, I want to be a cell phone because my mom and dad pay attention to it. Ooh, hit you in the heart, doesn't it? It didn't say the Bible. Guys, get this. I know it hurts. I know I'm even stepping on my toes. God wants to do something big, but we can't do anything big unless we get in God's word. Right? Don't let this sermon fall on. Just, hey, he did a good job. That's all about Brent. No. God gave me this experience to turn you on to what he's wanting to do in your life. Just like the prophet Ezekiel. Let him do it. Don't try to manufacture it. Let him do it. Let him give you the desire. One of the best devotions I've ever done it's the hardest one I've ever done. It took me the longest. There was a missionary that came to talk at Super Summer. It was a class, and he did it on devotions, and I was having a real problem. I'm dyslexic. I don't like to read. I don't like to do that stuff. And a guy hit my heart. He says, on the mission field of Africa, there's some times where I don't see anybody. But God convicted me. When I don't see anybody, I need to be in his word. And he took God's word out and copied it word for word and asked God every day, what are you trying to tell me in your word? And he wrote it out. He did the whole Bible three times through already. Had him bound and we got to touch him. If you go in my office, I got the New Testament. I'm kind of like one of those ones. I haven't done Psalms yet, but I did the New Testament. He even wrote the letters in red and red pen. You know what? That's taught me a lot more to pay attention to God's word. 
because God's word's important. What are you going to do? These things are sitting in most of our houses, not being used. Are you going to take it and apply it to your life? Be a moldable heart where he can change you? Or every time opportunity knocks, you're going to say, hey, it's not me. I pray not. Stand with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, you know all things. You do all things well. You're a big God that can handle anything. Dear Heavenly Father, I've done my best to present your word. I just pray that you would just take it today. May it fall on multiple hearts. May it fall on hearts that want to follow. And dear my Father, if there be some cold hearts in here, I just pray that they'd recognize their heart condition and that they would change and allow you to put a moldable heart, a heart of flesh in them. Dear my Father, more than that, as we've seen David, as we see these other people in the Word, man, we ain't always perfect. There are those days when I fall flat on my face. Help me to realize that you give me grace enough to give up, to get up, to do the things that you call me to do, even though I feel like a failure sometimes, even though I feel like a fool. Help me to live for you. And Heavenly Father, just do a major work in our community, in us, and we know it starts with you. We know it starts with your word and your love. Man, you love us so much. Thank you for the discipline that each one of us needs in our life. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for those Sunday school teachers. I'm thankful for the church that raises me. Thank you for this church and these kids up on the stage that have come so far in their walk with you. I just pray that you continue to mold us and make us a generation that wants to follow you. And Heavenly Father, help us to always seek you in everything we do. In Jesus' name I pray, and all God's people said, Amen. invitation time. If you need to get something right with God, the altar's open. If you need to come, be a church member here at Dorisville Baptist Church, you can do that. You feel God leading you here. But if you're one of those ones that's got a cold heart, get it fixed today. The surgeon's open.